Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy for Me. And it's kind of a weird um, episode of TFM this week, only because I've got a list of things that I'm going to talk about that I've been making notes through the week. And I don't know, it seems like a a kind of fairly lo-fi kind of sort of event this week, or maybe lo-fi is the wrong term, maybe just a little bit more mundane than perhaps we've had in previous weeks um but then thinking about it it's not i don't know is it mundane it's probably not the right terminology see for yourself see what you think at the end but it's going to be a little bit more off the wall maybe than than normal um or maybe it's back to what tfm started at in terms of random musings i don't know because we have ended up being quite political um well let's face it from about week five um but we'll we'll see where we'll see we'll regroup at the end we can we can maybe have a little uh, a little kind of feedback session uh, maybe a group feedback session and, and see what people think um but obviously to get us started we need a bit of that twangy guitar so let's go straight to a bit of that <laughs> I don't think we really knew on Saturday exactly what was going to happen, but to all intents and purposes, um, it was confirmed on Sunday um, to the point where we all had clarity about the fact that David Tennant is indeed going to be the next Doctor Who. And that really did come as quite a surprise, to be honest. Um, I think we all knew that Rishi was going to be the new Prime Minister, but finding out that Doctor Doctor Who, that David was going to be number 14, to be honest, was far more exciting. Um, interestingly, there's quite a lot of parallels between the two because from what I understand today, um, he's going to be in three specials. It's part of the celebration of the, I think it's the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, so it's part of that celebration. And he will give way to somebody else um to to number 15 um over the course of the next year uh and i don't know if any of us think uh that rishi sunak will outlast the next doctor who or not and so that's actually now become the million dollar question if the if the two events now are going to parallel each other uh, or reflect each other for the course of the next year uh, i'm more excited about one than i am about the other um, not that I don't like the idea of having somebody relatively sensible in charge after what we've been through. And certainly it will be nice to take a breath because I do think we will now be taking a breath for um, a period of time. Um, I'm not convinced that they're going to do the two years. Um, I, in fact, I think there's a very good chance that David Tennant will be Doctor Who for longer than Rishi Sunak is going to be Prime Minister. And only because I, I just don't see how they don't rip themselves to shreds at some point in the future. There's going to be so many potential points of division over the course of the next six to 12 months. I don't know how they won't turn in on themselves. Um, at the end of the day, if the Tories are looking at a 20-point polling gap in a year's time then then his days will be numbered and it will be open it'll be open warfare um now that might mean that 
this time next year they go for an election because it's not going to get any better and because Sunak turns around and says, well, you ain't getting rid of me. I'm just going to I'm just going to take it to the country. But we'll 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 wait and see how that plays, how that plays out. But more importantly, if you didn't see that magical moment in Doctor Who last night, and it was a, quite a good episode actually, I thought I thought as a a kind of a a, a final one for Jodie. It kind of was up Jodie's reign at Doctor Who all the way over. Really, there was some every few episodes you kept thinking, oh, oh, we're about to turn a corner, and then everything was just a bit messy and a bit frenetic and a bit all over the place, and it didn't, it never really seemed to find out what it wanted to be or the direction it wanted to travel. So it was an absolutely mad hour and a half for her last episode. Um, but even just looking at the footage, and I'll try and put the little 15-second trailer on the notes, even just looking at what's potentially coming next with with David Tennant and with Russell T. Davis back as showrunner, then I think actually we're in for some, from, we're in some good stuff as far as DW is concerned. <laughs> So I was on the train to London today and there were two women sat uh, adjacent to me on a um on a, a table seat on the, on the on the train. And I happened to catch a bit of the conversation and it came a bit round to Rishi Sunak and it came around to everything that was going on and one of these they ended up having a, a little bit of a debate and it got I didn't get heated but they I mean clearly they were good friends but there was a little bit of a debate because one of them was bemoaning how badly done to Boris Johnson had been and she basically said uh, that that she she liked Boris and she could uh, associate with Boris and she could empathise with Boris and she she um, she accepted the fact that he yes you know he did tell fibs that was the the phrase she used yes I accept the fact that he tells fibs and that really struck me that phrase because that therein lies the entire problem. Therein lies the entire problem with the whole concept of Boris Johnson and therein lies the entire problem with where we are. Had Boris got the numbers um, and and put it to the membership, he would be going back into Downing Street. Now, it, it, would, it would be for a, a ridiculously small period of time had it happened because the party would have split in two. But the fact of the matter is that's what would have happened. And part of the problem is that this uh, lady on the train was an example of the blind spot so many people have with him because you can't talk about what he did you talk about fibs in the in the context of a child in the context of somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing there's no malice behind what they're doing and it's just something that's forgivable and that isn't the case with a politician and certainly not with a prime minister to suggest it's anything other than manipulation, to suggest it's anything other than a sense of entitlement is wrong. And the the, the fact that I looked at this, this person who was probably, and I don't want to categorise in terms of anything, but who was old enough and intelligent enough to have known better, to have made a better judgment call because when you heard a talk about Rishi Sunak and when you heard a talk about uh, a couple of the other Tory uh, politicians she was making level-handed judgments that were that were you know mature 
and based on experience. I didn't necessarily agree with them, but I could see the thought process behind them. And yet there's this huge, great blind spot when it came to Boris Johnson. And that's the bit we need to address. And I don't know how we address it, but we absolutely do. Because if not, then he does come back in 2024 or wherever. And we go through this crazy nonsense again. Wednesday. I was traveling back on the train um, from London, back home. And I took a picture of the seat in front of me and posted it on Instagram because... It's one of my favourite brands and it's a it's a kind of a pink heart, kind of sort of looks like a, a bit of a, a, you know, a pencil drawing, a coloured pencil drawing or a, 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 a yeah, like a, a pencil drawing. And it's the um, it's the logo for Hull Trains. And I've become I've become a real fan of Hull Trains. I, I will now if I'm travelling to London, I will often drive to uh, Retford um so i can get on a, a whole trains train rather than drive to wakefield where it would i guess be um lner or whoever it is that you you need to get from wakefield there's just something about it's like a little cottage industry hull trains they're like the staff are always fantastic there's something about the way they brand themselves that's really really that's really really nice they don't provide the trains and and the trains are no better particularly there's nothing any better about uh, the service they provide but there's in terms of the actual so so i you know i was first class this week and you get a bit of something to eat you get a drink and this and the other and there's nothing any better about anything you can't look at it and go well actually you know this is better than the the equivalent service The, the the actual the thing you get empirically is the same the difference is the people the difference is the whole culture and the people and everybody i've ever been on on that service it just it's far more enjoyable to be on um or or to travel with that particular company so um it and and of course you it's the recognition of the logos and when i see that logo i think of them and and it's a crazy thing to have as one of your favorite brands but then now i think about it all my favorite brands seem to be like that you know, Yorkshire Tea is another a, a great example. I mean, they had a thing this week. They've um, they've done a load of, of bags. They've made a load of bags. They've got a very limited collection of these bags that are like a rucksack um, that are made from the curtain material from their trucks. So clearly they've just done something with the trucks and the, the, the curtain material obviously only lasts so long on the side and they've used that curtain material which obviously probably would have just been disposed of and they've used it to make a load, a load of kind of bag for life they're like rucksack bag for life and I think it's brilliant absolutely absolutely fantastic they're another brand I just I just like everything they do I like their social media I just like the what they project onto the world I really like and it's exactly the same with Hull Trains what they project onto the world I really like as well <laughs> Thursday. So I was in and out of London this week, and I had to. Uh, I had to. I, I went to King's Cross, and then I had ultimately to catch a train out of Waterloo. And although my ticket covered the tube, I'd, I'd rather walk. So I, I both days I walked um, down. In fact, on the way down, I walked and got a bit of lunch because I had a bit of time, and I sat on the, um, the the outside terrace of Somerset House, looking over the river, uh, to eat my lunch, which was really really nice. Didn't even know that existed. I've often walked around Somerset House, but didn't realise you could get to this kind of terrace at the back. Um, so I sat down there, which was which was great in the sunshine. And by the way, 
what's wrong with the temperature at the moment. All this talk about climate change and particularly about the fact that he's not going to go to COP27 and yet it's 20 degrees in, in the end of October. So clearly something's not right because I shouldn't be sat on a terrace in the sunshine at the end of October um, in, in 18 and 20 degrees and in shirt sleeves. But anyway, it was a nice place to sit and enjoy the what probably is now the normal seasonal weather uh, because of what we've done to the planet, but very, very pleasant and looking out over the earth, that was all fine. On the way back, I ended up walking back through um, Bloomsbury, uh, which is the, the I like to I like to walk across Russell Square if I can, and um, in fact I walked through Bloomsbury Gardens, which I've never done before, and that was very nice. And then uh, through um, through through Russell Square, and then walked my way worked my way back, um, and was quite struck by something that I'd not noticed on the way down that has now gone, and it's a real shame it has gone. So on Marchmont Road in London, and you'll have seen this, because if when I, when I if I show you a picture of this, what I'm talking about, you will know what I mean, because you'll have seen it as the backdrop. I've seen it in quite a lot of films and TV shows. But there was a laundrette. Um, it's next to a, a, a coffee shop on the corner, which I think is called Moorish Deli. And there's a laundrette, and it's got this orange laundrette sign that's very, very 70s. Um, and I've always loved it. I just think it's the, just a fantastic laundrette. It's my favourite, one of my favourite shop signs ever, this laundrette sign. And it's gone. Uh, it's been replaced. It's now become something called Golden Laundry, I think. Which and, and the sign is just horrible. It's just a horrible new black background and just just all wrong and yet what was there before was a piece of absolute class um and i, I even if you'd bought that business i don't get why you would do that because that's that sign was iconic um and it's just it's just it's just yeah just so that made me a little bit sad when i walked and i know these things change and this and the other but that was just one of those things that you kind of you just wanted to hang on to because it was so it was so perfect, really. Friday. Now I could have ended the week on Suella Braverman um, because I don't think that story is going away anytime soon, and I don't think it should. Uh, I'm not quite sure how you can have somebody who was uh, well resigned, but we don't know if she resigned if we're being quite truthful, because we don't really know if she reported herself, which is what it kind of was framed as originally, or or whether actually she was caught out with regard to sending classified information from a personal email or whatever the situation was, because I don't think we really know that either. Um, And that certainly seems to have been the first of Rishi's missteps. Uh, We know why it's happened. Um, It was an attempt to, you know... Well, let's face it, her pulling out the race and well, not pulling out the race, but her her throwing her support behind Rishi pretty much uh, did for everybody else and, and got him the job. So, but I don't want to finish there. I think I'm going to end up coming back to this, but I don't want to finish there. I want to finish with the fact that even though it's October, we need to be thinking forward and we need to be thinking forward about which version of A Christmas Carol that we're going to go and see this year. 
And I've got two ones so far to throw in the mix as part of my service to bring you a, a roundup of the versions of Christmas Carol that are going on in the UK and possibly the world uh, if they come to my attention. I'm going to I'm going to start off by throwing two primary ones into the the mix for you. As I was walking across um, Waterloo Bridge, uh, I noticed on the side of the South Bank building a poster for Dolly Parton's Smoky Mountain Christmas Carol and I know very little else about it other than she's written the music for it somebody else has adapted the story and I believe written the lyrics uh, for this version of a Christmas Carol that's that's based in the Smoky Mountains and I guess has got some form of cowboy twist I'm not quite I mean it's obviously all going to be a little bit country um, but I'm not quite sure how it, it's going to go together uh, I've put the link for the website on the uh, on the notes um, so that's one option and that's kind of one of your central London options and I don't know how many in London there will be but I mean there definitely be a more kind of dramatic you know serious version than that I would have thought but that appears to be the kind of family slightly pantoesque version and then the other version that uh has come to my attention so far is the fact that adrian edmondson is going to be playing ebenezer scrooge because the rsc is going to do a christmas carol again in stratford upon avon so and that sounds very interesting very very interesting and i'm really really disappointed that i didn't get to see um, the the version last year, and I, do you know what? I've completely forgotten uh, who was in that. But I was re- really uh, the one at the kind of the, the the very dramatic ghosty version. I wanted to see. Uh, it was the guy who did Doctor Who and does Sherlock, and I've completely forgotten his name. Anyway, it'll come back to me. Um, but Aid Edmondson, it'll be very traditional. Um, I don't think it'll be played for many laughs uh, if it's RSC. But I don't know. Is that one? Is is that one going to be the one? Uh, I mean, we know Patrick Stewart's not going to come back and do the one-man show, so maybe that one. Um, but I'm going to start now taking a real interest in where it's on and who's doing it, just to to get this kind of complete Christmas Carol picture. Because I think we should all be, I think we should all be prepared for it. Um, and I, was, I possibly would say every year we need a Christmas Carol, but maybe we need a Christmas Carol this year as as much as we've ever done in the past, if that makes any kind of that makes any kind of sense. Right, I'm going to leave you with that. Uh, I hope you have a, you, well, I hope you had a good week. I hope you, you're well and safe. Uh, I'm getting ready for a football training session at 9.30, which is going to be uh, interesting. Um, and then uh, two football matches tomorrow. And that kind of is my weekend because the only other thing I've really got to do is I've got to redo my um, safeguarding training for being a school governor, which I think is going to take about five or six hours tomorrow. So, um, so the football is going to kind of be the highlight, really. Um, but stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon. If you've enjoyed therapy for me, then please subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.